I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 131 in which I get a lot done finally. I'd like to say first of all thank you so much for listening and thanks for tweeting. We've got a bunch of us that are tweeting together and it's just it's a lot of fun. I really appreciate that so thank you so much for that. Um, Thank you also to all of you who are on Fitbit and joining up and trying to help everybody else stay healthy as you're getting your own inspiration for staying healthy. Um, My Fitbit this week has been my stats have been fairly nothing. (laughs) I mean, I've gotten some stuff, but our gym closed for the week. They open again, I think on Monday. Um, I don't know if they're just on furlough or whether they're actually doing something in the gym there. It was kind of hush hush. They just had a sign up that they were going to be closed this week. And at the same time, like almost the exact same day that the gym shut its doors for the week, it got really cold. So, I mean, fall cold. It went from 85 degrees to 50-something or low 60s. So I haven't even been swimming or anything. And unfortunately, the way our house is situated in the street that we're on, it's not really entirely conducive for walking outside. I actually have to drive somewhere to really get a place where I can walk safely. We don't... Um, our street is a cul-de-sac, but it empties onto a fairly busy street with no sidewalks. Um, so it's just, it's been tricky for me to kind of figure out how I'm going to get my steps in, how I'm going to get my activity in. Um, and at the same time, I just got really, really busy, but I'll be talking about that, um, in a minute, but that's why you haven't heard from me for a while either. Um, but anyway, uh, seeing everybody getting their stats and, and having that, um, talk back and forth about Fitbit does at least keep me thinking about it. And so I did do, like the other night, um, I actually went to my way in and got groceries afterwards, but between, it was a kind of nice night out, so I just walked around the parking lot a few times of the grocery store. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I would have really thought to do that had I not been seeing all these tweets about people's steps all week. So I do appreciate that. And those of you who don't have Fitbit, we do still, again, have the QHC hashtag on Twitter. Um, where we just encourage each other, however you're getting activity or exercise, um, just to to stay healthy or eat healthy or to just take time out for mental health. It's all important. Um, I want to uh, remind you not to forget the Banned Books Week Challenge. I did get my blog post up last week, and of course, uh, Tanisha of Crafty Garden Mom Podcast, uh, we are co-hosting this challenge together. She's also Uh, talked about it on her podcast and and in her blog, so you can find information in either place. Um, I've already got my project done, but I'll be talking about that later. Uh, I just do want to say that today, I'm recording this, by the way, on Sunday, September 8th, and today is sort of an unofficial sew-in in in honor of Daisy, of Very Lazy Daisy podcast. She had a, a bit of a situation this weekend. I don't actually know all the specifics, but even if I did, it would be her story to tell anyway, not mine. Um, in any case, a bunch of us twilters rallied around her when we found out that she was kind of going through some stuff this weekend, and we decided that we would have a Daisy Bee today, an internet quilting bee with her name on it. So we're hashtagging it Daisy Bee, which is Daisy and the letter B, all one word, or hashtag sewing with Daisy if you're not worried about character counts. By the time you listen to this, you know, I'm probably going to be in bed, so... 
it's not like I said this is all kind of spur of the moment it's just kind of fun but it just it goes to show what a community quilters are we are just always ready to rally around people and heck any excuse to spend the day sewing we'll take it <laughs> so Daisy I hope you're having fun on your Daisy B day um, and I do have to say I didn't even realize this till afterwards I decided to make myself some cucumber water today um, I sliced up some cucumbers and put it in ice water in the refrigerator so it would infuse and I'm drinking that and I realized yeah that's right Daisy did just talk about that on a recent podcast doing her fruit water um, so I guess I'm drinking my cucumber water in your honor Daisy I raise my glass to you uh, most of this episode is just going to be catching up I don't really have any teaching stuff or information stuff to do Sorry about that brief interruption. My dogs were sleeping quietly as I was recording. Usually I throw them out of the office when I go to record a podcast, but they have been so fried all day and so sleepy that I decided I would risk it. Well, of course, partway through recording, they decide to start barking. So they are now back out of the office. They have been um, ostracized, and we should have some peace and quiet. Um, anyway, back to this episode really is going to be mostly just telling you what I've been up to. And I actually blogged a lot of this, so I'm not going to go into a ton of detail. I'm, I'm just going to share some things I didn't actually blog about or maybe give a little more background to. Um, I, You know, it's funny. I'm suddenly blogging like nobody's business, but that's not going to stay long. So don't worry about it if you're getting, if you're subscribed by email and you're thinking, holy crud, I didn't expect to be getting this many emails off the blog. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to be able to keep that up. But I do, um, I have been trying to blog a little bit more about what I'm doing than I did over the summer. Anyway, uh, we did have our Labor Day sew in last weekend, hashtag LDSI. And I did do a giveaway off of my blog, got a fair number of comments. Thank you to everybody who played along. That was very nice. And I want to say congratulations to Ellen. Woohoo! Um, I will get your prize in the mail this week. I'm sorry, I did get a little busy last week. And I'll be explaining a little bit more about why that is in a bit. Um, I intended to get it in the mail last week and just couldn't pull it off. So it will be in the mail this week. In fact, when I'm done recording this episode, I'm going to um, get it packaged in the envelope and ready to take to the post office. I'm hoping to get to the post office tomorrow. Uh, for me, Labor Day sew-in weekend or the Labor Day weekend ended up being very long. Um, we usually, here in the U.S., by the way, for those of you not from the U.S. who are listening, Labor Day is a Monday and it's a um, day off, as uh, somebody from UK said. Yes, it is pretty much like a bank holiday. Uh, we, you know, most uh, federal businesses and such close. A lot of other businesses have the day off. Not everybody, but a lot of people do. And then in addition to Monday off, I had the previous Friday off. Um, this year, my organization, due to budget cuts, we have five furlough days, furlough days being no work, no pay. And so... Um, we are able to, though, choose which five days we each take. The first year we had furloughs, we all had to take the same days, so we all had to come to consensus about those days. Uh, this time, our supervisor said, just choose, you know, which weekends work best for you. And as it turned out, I think we all ended up on furlough on Friday. But um, I then had four days for uh, the weekend off and actually ended up with very little to do. You know, Labor Day often is a lot of picnics and all that kind of stuff, but for us, our family was all kind of scattered to the four winds, having picnics with their other sides of the families, etc. Uh, so we didn't have much scheduled. My husband and I did go out to dinner and a movie one night, and then we went out to breakfast with um, his parents one morning. 
other than that, I was mostly home and mostly sewing. It was a really long, relaxing weekend, and I got a tremendous amount done. It, it just felt good. I didn't, you know, I wasn't nose to the grindstone sewing. I also made sure I never could sleep in. <laughs> I wish I could. I always think I'm going to sleep in, and I never do. Um, but I would just sit with my coffee and read for a couple hours in the morning, and then I'd, I'd get to sewing. Um, but it's amazing how much you can get done, even when you're, you know, not really pushing yourself when you actually have a whole day to do it. Uh, I got, I did blog my report, so there are photos of this posted. I did get um, two little onesies, which are the one-piece um, underwear for babies, if you're not familiar with the term. I hand-dyed, I actually hand-dyed three of them, uh, but one didn't turn out well. The other two, I used Color Magnet which is a chemical substance that you apply to the fabric before dyeing it and you have to let it dry and then when you dye it the the magnet does what it sounds like it actually draws more of the dye color to the areas where that chemical is on the fabric um, and so it, it brings out a tone on tone design and i i love using it i've gotten a lot better at using it from my initial experiments um, what I have learned about it is it works better in a lighter dye bath. The two onesies I did, I did, used a, a fairly saturated color and fairly bright colors. And so the end result was a more subtle um, design, tone-on-tone -tone design, which is fine. It was just, I had expected something a little more distinct and it was a little more subtle than I thought. But still, I mean, it, it worked well. Um, but now I know that and now I will be able to use that intentionally next time I do it is deciding whether I want a more um, distinct or a more subtle design. Uh, it, it does seem to have to do with, um, one, probably just the color you're using, but two, whether it's a lighter dye bath or a darker dye bath. In other words, how much dye to water you have um, in order to get your end result. The time that I used it where I got a really distinct pattern was I used it when I was trying to dye a light gray. And so the background is a very light gray and then the dye magnet is a very, very dark charcoal gray. And it worked, oh, it was beautiful. I loved that result. Um, this one, I used a golden yellow. And so you see this kind of subtle, slightly more golden yellow <laughs> area where the color magnet was. And then the other one was a fuchsia. And again, you get a slightly darker fuchsia. Um, but it's not as distinct a difference between the, the um, foreground and background. I also ice dyed a maternity shirt. I, you know, I keep, this is the funny thing about me <laughs> that I'm learning about myself, especially when it comes to dyeing um, fabric, uh, hand dyeing, is that um, if something doesn't turn out the way I'm expecting it to, and especially if I'm not particularly pleased with the results, I keep poking away at it. I keep saying I'm not going to do this anymore. Well, you know, I don't really think this is for me. And then I keep finding myself, well, but, but maybe if I try it this way, or maybe if I tweak it this way. Um, so I am still kind of poking away at the ice dyeing thing. I have figured out that I've, I do it inside now instead of outside. I use a lot less ice. I use a much more controlled, um, not in terms of the end result of the color, because it's virtually impossible to do that with ice dyeing. Um, but just everything is... Oh, I don't even know how to, to word it at the moment. Um, it, mostly I'm doing it inside. I'm using less ice. I'm crushing the ice a little bit more instead of using the ice cubes, which my ice maker and my refrigerator makes the kind of crescent shaped, you know, the half moon shaped ice cubes. Um, so I take them out of the freezer. I put them into a plastic bag. I pound them a bit with my meat tenderizer hammer. <laughs> And then I take them down to my basement where my dying stuff is and I use them that way. So 
they're not fully crushed. There's still a lot of those crescent moon shape, but there's more going on. So you get a little bit more differentiation than in the design and that helps. Um, so even if I'm still not thrilled about the results I'm getting all the time, um, and that has nothing to do with the color it, and it has more to do with uh, whether or not it actually looks like a unique design pattern or if it looks like something I could have gotten done a whole lot simpler way. You know, that's kind of what I'm going for. Uh, in any case, I'm sorry, I'm digressing. I'm a little tired today. <laughs> and and again, you'll find out why later. Um, the, the maternity shirt was not to my taste, certainly, but that's okay. It wasn't for me. Thank God. But... <laughs> It, I did think my niece would probably like it. Um, you know, she's in her mid-20s. She's a, a drama person. I mean, she she lives in theater, um, although she's much more interested in playwriting and directing than acting. Um, she doesn't particularly enjoy acting. That's not what she wants to do, but she really enjoys the playwriting, and she loves the directing. In fact, right now, she's got a job as a director of a community theater um, in a small town near where she lives. Um, but in any case, she's always been a very funky person. She loves bright, vibrant colors, you know, the really funky big jewelry. So even though for me, the end result was not really what I was kind of going for, hoping for, I, I knew she'd probably like it. And she did. And she was thrilled, first of all, to get a maternity shirt because she has not bought herself too many. Um, some of that, I think, is she's really struggling with how big she's gotten. And, you know, she's not huge. She's just pregnant and she's having difficulty um, kind of adjusting to this body shape. Um, but also, you know, she's just, she and her husband don't have a ton of money. So they're, you know, not buying a lot of wardrobe stuff. So she's kind of making do with some things. So when uh, she liked that shirt so well, she kind of turned to me and she goes, so was this hard to do or is this something maybe you could do more of? And I'm like, yeah, honey, I can make <laughs> a couple more. So I've already started looking for other types of shirts and things I could, I could make for her. Because the nice thing about that is when you go on Dharma Trading Company website, which is the main one I use, I also use Pro Chemical and Dye, but Dharma has the clothing that you can dye. It's all ready to dye. It's got um, the stitching is even in uh, using thread that can dye well, so you don't end up with kind of weird results. And it's inexpensive. You know, where I would go to a store, if I were to buy her a maternity shirt in a store, I'd probably be paying 20 to 40 bucks. Um, I can buy a, a PFD shirt for 15 or less and dye it. And she's got a really wonderful, unique thing, you know, for what I'd pay in a thrift store. So, um, I, you know, I really don't mind doing that. And she doesn't, even though we had her shower this past weekend, she is not due until the middle of November. So she's got a ways to go. Um, and she's just going to keep getting bigger, <laughs> which I just laugh. You know, you watch this little kid grow up and she's always been this kind of stick of a thing and now she's dealing with the fact that she's got a belly <laughs> and of course we all just laugh at her um but she she is going to be a wonderful mother I can't wait to meet this baby and her her husband is wonderful too um so anyway that was my LDSI I, I got those done the, the one that didn't work out as well and I still can't entirely figure this out I used a res, uh, discharge on it and I also did two fabrics at the same time also using the discharge just using different techniques and when I first when you use a discharge I think I've talked about this before discharge is a chemical that actually re removes dye so you have some hand dyes or any I mean you can use do this on commercial fabric too and you use the discharge solution and there's various types of things you can use to discharge 
um, not the least of which of course is just straight up bleach but this is actually what I was using is um, actual discharge solution from uh, Pro Chemical and Dye or Dharma I don't remember which place I got it from anyway I have two different ones and so I was kind of experimenting with both and when you discharge um, you have to again you put it on the fabric and then you let it dry and then you iron it and it becomes it's whether you use a dry iron or a steam iron kind of whether you get a more subtle discharge or a really vibrant one when you use steam it really really brings it out it really discharges quite a bit and so I had steamed the hay out of <laughs> the onesie and these two blue fabrics and immediately following the steaming it looked fantastic I mean these were incredible um, everything came out really well it was vibrant it was noticeable um, and then I washed it and it all completely disappeared it looked like I had done nothing on the the onesie you can see a hint of the design around one side of it on both things but you can't see the other side and on the two blue fabrics it completely disappeared you can't tell I did anything to these fabrics and that did not happen the last time I used discharge uh, the last time I used it, it did not really change that much from pre-wash to post-wash. A little bit of a different color in the discharge, um, but it was still very, very clear. That time I was using black fabrics, um, black, dark gray. This time it was blue. So it was something about the difference in color, because there was nothing different about my process. Um, so, I don't, you know, again, this is where it's still on the learning curve, still trying to figure this stuff out. Um, I did end up giving her the third onesie. Uh, I just didn't wrap it up. You know, I just later after the, um, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't even talked about the shower yet. I'll get to that in a minute. But after the, we had a shower and after she had opened all the gifts and I had wrapped up the other ones and officially given them to her, later after the crowd sort of dispersed, I kind of handed her the other onesie and I said, okay, this was the reject, but I know you probably are going to need as many onesies as you can get. So she's like, oh, no, I really like it. I mean, she's very sweet that way. I'm like, no, no, it, it, you know. I can do better. I will do better eventually. But here, if you need something to dress your child, in, here it is. And the, the blue, I mean, I dyed that one blue. The blue is beautiful. It's just that the design didn't come out. So that was disappointing. Um, okay, so back to Labor Day sewing, LDSI. I got those um, all dyed. I did finish my House on the Hill project for the uh, Laura Wazilowski's Craftsy Class Hand Stitch Collage Quilts. Um, to tell the truth, I didn't have that much left to do on that. I just had to get the backing and binding on it, really. Everything else was done. Um, that was, the design is basically a tweak of hers. And again, there's photos of these in my blog. If you go back to this past week, um, which if you're listening to this well after Labor Day, that's any time between, well, what was Labor Day? September 2nd, I think. So I think I blogged it. September 2nd or 3rd, I don't remember when that blog post went up, but it's somewhere around there, 2013, if you're listening to this way late. Um, in any case, that one uh, was the first project of three projects in her class. And I don't think I'm actually going to do the other two projects as she has them. I have watched all the classes in the, the I've watched all the, the lessons in the class. And I, you know, so I've seen the techniques she's teaching in them. It's basically just kind of different ways to cut things and different um, ways you can get different designs, different stitches. And so it's all stuff I'll just incorporate. Okay, if you can hear that, my dogs are barking again, but they're now they're outside the door, so it shouldn't be quite as loud. Um, the things she teaches in the other two projects, I don't feel the need to do the project to learn. I can just pick them up and, and use them in other um, things of my own. So that, but I did enjoy the class. If you um, are 
taking crafty classes, I would strongly suggest that you check that one out. Um, I really love doing the fusible stuff. It's, it's so much easier to do art quilts that way, you know? Um, and in fact, I did use techniques I learned in her class on my, um, my band book weeks challenge project, but I'll talk about that in a second. Um, that was also the house on a hill project was also the first project that i had used all of my own hand dyes in because i actually started it back last spring when i first started hand dyeing so it was the first um, project that i did where i was using hand dyes that i had created all except when you look at the picture of the project if you go to do that the leaves of grass there's these long kind of lime green leaves of grass those are actually a commercial fabric because at the time that i did that project that i put that all together i didn't have any greens that color i do now so if i were to do that again i'd have my own green to use but i didn't at the time so that's done um and i'm i'm pleased with it it turned out well you know but it's it's not my design i tweaked her design but it's not my design so it doesn't feel as special or unique to me but i did learn a lot and it did turn out nicely um in the same vein, I also finished my Project Hope online quilt show project, finally, only, what, three or four months after we were supposed to have it done, and I was one of the co-hosts of that challenge. That's always a little embarrassing when you don't get your own challenge done. Um, that was the one I co-hosted with Sandy of Quilt Cabana Cor Corner, and it was, um, we kind of scheduled it for last June. Although, it's sort of an ongoing thing, and it's just a Flickr group is where the online quilt show is. So if you get inspired, um, please still go ahead and add your own project to that Flickr group. Um, and if you're listening to this belatedly, and this is the first episode, Project Hope we talked about mm, back last May or so. So if you go back then, was it, it was like April, May somewhere in there that we talked about it, kind of launched it, and then it was due June, um, the end of June. So you will find information on either of our blogs, again, that's Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner, or myself um, on that project. Anyway, my Project Hope Online Quilt Show project, I did name it somewhere, because it has to do with a rainbow, um, and I explain all of that in the blog, so I'm not going to go into that again. Now, I did use techniques I'd learned from the Laura Wazilowski class again. This time, I used completely all my own hand dyes. Um, the design, not very exciting or original. It's not something I'm saying, wow, I can't believe I came up with that. It was pretty straightforward and basic, but I did have a lot of fun using it as experimentation and, again, a way to learn um, more techniques, kind of explore a little bit more what kinds of things I could do. Um, I used the hand stitching again, as in the hand stitch collage quilts class. Uh, you know, it's I suppose it is embroidery. I don't think of it as embroidery because it's very um, let's call it rustic embroidery. It's it's very simple stitching, um, and it's thicker. You know, you don't worry about fine detail as much, at least at the kind of stuff I've done. I am looking forward to, my guild is now doing an embroidery of the month project in which we're going to learn a couple of new stitches each month, um, two or three, I guess, put them into a project of our choosing. They have a couple of projects, um, the people who are running this in our guild, there's two sort of designs that they've recommended that you can do, but you can also just bring your own stuff and do it yourself. So, so yourself. So I haven't entirely decided what I'm going to do yet. Um, I think I might wait until they start the challenge and see what the first two or three stitches are and then kind of get inspired from that. It would be easy enough to do sort of a crazy quilt style thing because the stack and slash technique I've used a few things a few times is essentially crazy quilts. So I may do that like with my own hand dies again and, and kind of 
use it as a way to use some of my hand dies that I'm not as thrilled about maybe and use them in smaller pieces and then do the embellishment with the embroidery could be kind of fun. Um, the fusible binding technique that Laura Wazilowski uses is pretty cool. Um, it's not something I would do on every single quilt I do, but it's really good for art quilts. It's very good for fast quilts, and I'm thinking it might be pretty good for a baby quilt, too. I might do it that way. Um, basically, you uh, cut very narrow binding strips and then fuse them to either side, and then either do a decorative stitch over the top or, or some way. I did not perfect her method of the mitered corner on, on that. It's not mitered on the front. It's only mitered on the back. Um, and I, I would need to do it another few times before I really got that down. But it, I, even the second time I did it, it was better than the first. Um, and then I liked that technique so well that I did use it again for my Band Books Week challenge project, uh, which I did also finish during Labor Day Sew-In, but I'm not posting pictures of that one yet because it's not yet Band Books Week. I'm going to hold that off until we launch Band Books Week, which is September 22nd to 28th. Um, my Band Books Week project, I was actually able to double dip. Um, it is also my homework for my third month of our design study group home, uh, in this particular book uh, workshop, I guess, workshop three. Uh, this time around design study group, we're using a book that's all about color. And so each workshop deals with a particular type of color combination or something. Uh, month one was monochromatic. I'm sorry, it wasn't. I lie. Month one is neutrals. Month two is monochromatic. Month three is complementary colors. So month three, I got done. Month one, I now have all my fabrics dyed and prepared for it. Um, I just haven't made it yet, but I'm hoping to get to that maybe this week. I've still got a couple more weeks before design study group meets, so I've still got a little time. Monochromatic, I'm still in the dyeing stage. I did have some fabrics that I had hand dyed. Because again, my challenge to myself a little bit on this um, in the design study group is I always use my own hand dyes because each time we have the challenge, I don't just use hand dyes I've already got. I actually dye around the color challenge of that month and then um, work from there. So I had some fabrics I was thinking I might use, but I, I didn't, it wasn't jazzing me. So I'm on a plan B and I'm dyeing a different set of colors this time. See what happens. Um, let's see, on LDSI, I did also finish all the units for my step-niece's baby quilt. Uh, and she's due in September, so I'm trying to get that one done fairly quickly. I cut some more scraps for some scrap quilt projects I've got going on. And then randomly... <laughs> I decided to whip up a quick pillowcase for donation when I want to cut into one scrap and decided, no, this would make a perfect cuff for a pillowcase. And it was almost exactly the right size. So then I found a strip and some yardage in my stash and voila, donation um, pillowcase. So that was nice. And then I did also get the two pillows done from my daughter's t-shirts, which I made a separate blog post about because that I, it's not, I don't want to quite call it a tutorial. And partly because I also got the idea from somebody else's tutorial, which I did link to. Um, but I did post some pictures and kind of explain the process a little bit. So you might be able to figure out how to do it from my um, blog post, but I did not write it intending it to be a step-by-step -step tutorial. Um, so cut me some slack on that if you try to follow it and say, oh man, she didn't mention less than so. Well, you know, like I said, wasn't really going for the tutorial thing. Um, it was actually... Uh, a surprisingly easy way to deal with an old t-shirt. Now, one question that came up in comments to the blog post was 
people were asking whether I'd put any interfacing on the t-shirt. And I think I might've actually said in the blog post that I didn't, I don't remember if I said that or not. Um, I know when you make t-shirt quilts, you, you, you do usually want to put some sort of interfacing, some sort of stiffener on that t-shirt. So it's not moving around when you're sewing it. I did not on the pillowcase because I wasn't sewing it to anything other than itself. I wasn't sewing it to any sort of sashing. I wasn't even trying to have it come out, you know, to be a very specific um, square. I did not turn it into a block and then make the pillowcase. That t-shirt is the pillowcase. And so to a certain degree, I actually wanted it to be a little bit stretchy. So I'd have some give when I pulled it around um, the pillowcase. And in fact, um, I did talk about this in the blog, on one of the two pillows, I messed up because I was just trying to get her done. You know, <laughs> this was not my favorite project of the day. I just wanted it finished. Um, it wasn't anything I was particularly proud of. You know, ooh, looky what I did. It was more like, okay, I told her I was going to do this. Let me just get it done. Um, I inadvertently did not flip the um, front of the t-shirt over so that I was sewing it appropriately when you flip it back inside out to put the, or I guess outside in. No right side out. It's the word I'm looking for when you flip it around so you can actually put the pillow in there. Gee, lo and behold, the logo was facing the inside of the pillow. <laughs> it was not visible the way it was supposed to be. So I started trying to rip out those seams, but because of the way I'd sewn it and because it was, you know, t-shirt knit, I it was getting nowhere with sewing, ripping out the seams. So I just took my ruler and lopped those seams off and sewed on a new seam. So I essentially lopped off a quarter inch all the way around this thing and sewed it again. And it still fit the pillowcase or the pillow form because it stretches, you know, so it's just a little bit of a tighter fit. It worked well. So that was actually kind of nice. If I had had interfacing on there, it would have been a little harder to do that. Um, so if you've got old t-shirts around and you don't want a monkey with doing a t-shirt quilt, because let's, let's face it, I've never made one, but everything I've read about them, they look like they're a headache and a half, consider making pillows. Um, so, okay, here's the funny thing though. So <laughs> my daughter came home this past Friday because we were doing the shower for my niece this weekend. And so she wanted to come home and be there for the party and help out. Her college is about two and a half hours drive, so it's not too bad. So she got home Friday and I had taken those two pillows and I'd put them on the couch in the living room so that she would see them, you know, kind of as a surprise. Well, she comes in, we give her hugs and she's saying hello and she's chattering away to us about her week and she kind of wanders over to the couch and I'm waiting to see if she's going to see him and she finally lays eyes on the pillows and she goes, oh, mom, and she picked up one of them and I'm thinking she's going to say, wow, you got it done, thanks. She goes, hey, I have a t-shirt exactly like this one. <laughs> looked at her and raised an eyebrow and I said well no duh and she kind of looked at me and she goes oh is this <laughs> the t-shirt I'm like yes honey you don't have a t-shirt like that anymore because it's now a pillow <laughs> and of course as it turned out she had no memory that she and I had ever had that conversation about those t-shirts she didn't remember that I even had them in my possession you know, so my first thought was, crud, I could have never done that. And she would have never been the wiser. But to me, it was this anvil hanging over my head that I had promised her I would do this and I hadn't gotten it done yet. Now, she was, of course, very appreciative once she was, uh, shall we say, enlightened as to the work I'd put into them. I actually didn't say much because I, you know, it wasn't a huge deal. I did get them done in a couple hours. But my husband, God bless him, said, you don't know what it took for your mom to do those. I hope you said thank you. 
<laughs> she's like, of course I did. I'm like, yes, honey, she she did say thank you, not a problem. Um, she was very appreciative, and she was happy to take him back to school with her. And, in fact, the one that was battery-operated does still work. We we tested it out. Um, so I'm just glad it was done. But I just I could not stop laughing when she said, I have a T-shirt exactly like this one. <laughs> like, yeah, honey, that's it. So anyway, oh, the things we do. You know, again, we have these memories that we promised people stuff, and 10 to 1, they probably don't ever remember it. So that's maybe that's your um, informational lesson for the day out of this episode. <laughs> Look at those things you've promised people you were going to make. Will they remember that you ever promised it? Or if you just quietly put it by the wayside, will it never even be noticed? So, um Yes, this weekend, then after I had that bang-up weekend of getting so much done for Labor Day sewing, then I had a week where I couldn't get back to my sewing machine, really. we I had conference calls, um, I had an evening out with some friends, which was nice, um, but it did mean I wasn't sewing. And then um, we had my niece's shower this weekend, and actually it was a baby shower, it was her graduation from college, which she was on an extended plan because she was going kind of part-time while she was working. So it took her several years. Um, and her husband has been in the Marines, and he has been based in Hawaii for the last four years. So they've been living, you know, largely separate lives other than a few months when she was able to go out and live with him for a few months while she was between semesters, etc. Um, but he has finished his commitment and just got home this week. And now they are back together as a family. And he's trying to find a job, all of that kind of stuff. So they're they're hoping to settle in this area in western New York, but it all kind of depends on where he's able to get a job, of course. Um, but they are here at least on, through her having the baby because she doesn't want to change um, doctors midstream and all that kind of thing. So we had a shower slash welcome home slash happy graduation party this weekend, and I had offered to my sister that I could host it at my house. Um, and that was a little unclear as to what that actually meant, other than the fact it would be here. But as we worked out, you know, through the weeks ahead of time, I had said, look, I love cooking. I don't mind doing the food, so let me do the food. And um, my niece thought her friends might want to do the decorations and the dessert because they did that for her wedding and they did a nice job. So we kind of thought, OK, you know, I said, that would be great. They can come in early. They can do whatever they want in the house. I don't care. I'll just worry about the food. Well, then, as the weeks wore on, I was saying to my sister, have we heard from the friends yet? Have we heard from the friends? Finally, um, on, I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday, we decided, okay, no friends have come through to say they were going to do um, decorations. So I said to my sister, I really don't want to do decorations. Don't make me do decorations. I would just, I would love to do the food. I will take care of all the food. I will do the appetizers. I'll do everything that needs to be done. Um but I'm just not particularly adept at decorating and and party games or whatever. So she said, no, okay, I'll, I'll take care of those. But we still thought there would be a friend who would do the cake. Well, I found out, let's see, the party was Saturday. I found out Thursday. No, there's probably not going to be any cake either. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And I did have a brief thought of, all right, what kind of desserts can I do that wouldn't take a whole lot of cooking and et cetera, et cetera. And I finally decided to cut myself some slack and I just ordered cupcakes from a bakery. Um, and cupcakes are fun. So that was fun. And then people could kind of have a bunch of different flavors instead of just a single cake that might be marbled, you know, at best. Uh, so that was a good decision and everybody loved the cupcakes. That was fun. And I was glad I did that. Otherwise, for the food, I decided to do a Western New York Hawaii mashup. 
as it were. So I combined all these kind of Western New York and Hawaiian flavors in there. So for appetizers, of course, you got to do Spam. Spam is a big thing in Hawaii for whatever reason. And so I did, um, I went on the Spam website and sure enough, there was a, the other thing that played into this was my niece had kind of teased about, oh, please tell me you're not going to do Pigs in a Blanket because Pigs in a Blanket is a very kind of done baby shower thing because, you know, of course the little wiener there looks like it's all wadded up in swaddling clothes. So what do I find on the Spam website but Spam in a Blanket? <laughs> so it just had to be done. It had to be done. And it was Spam and then you mix, um, uh, what was it, pineapple and honey mustard and cream cheese. And you put that on top of the Spam and you wrap it in, you know, Pillsbury Crescent Roll dough. All I did, um, the website had you, actually, it was a pretty big hunk of Spam in the website version. So I just cut the Spam narrower strips so it was kind of more like a wiener size there so that it would roll a little bit more easily um but that meant i had spam left over and i didn't want to just throw out half a can of spam if for whatever reason i don't know why i suddenly got all antsy about not wanting to throw the spam out so i kind of pawed through this was you know about 15 minutes before people were start, supposed to start showing up um i decided to throw on what did i do a spicy brown mustard apple slices and then um the only cheese i could find that i wasn't that i thought might had a had a chance of melting i had a bunch of cheese out as appetizers for the party but none of that was going to be appropriate i had some of that laughing cow um you know the kind of fake swiss <laughs> the one that comes in the the little foil packed wedges i had some of that in the fridge um here's a thing you learn that stuff doesn't melt but <laughs> in any case it, it didn't really change at all which makes me a little worried about what it's made out of but um it didn't really melt on the appetizer but you know it was okay it, it, that one tasted okay it wasn't great people loved the um well i shouldn't say people not everybody some people wouldn't go near it to even try it but a few people mostly importantly um my niece's husband my nephew-in-law loved them and of course living in the, in the Marines in Hawaii for the last four years. I'm sure he's eaten his share of Spam. So he ate like five of those things. Um, so that was fun. If, you know, Sandy uh, of Quilt Cabana Corner said she had some Spam in her um, cupboard that she had bought kind of as a joke when she was in Hawaii, you might want to try making those. That was not bad. Then I had some New York artisan cheeses. I had sausage and pepperoni out, mostly because you always got to have sausage and pepperoni out when we throw parties. That's just something my husband grew up with at his family as um, appetizers, so we just always have it. Um, and so my twist on that was there's a lot of Italians that live in Western New York, so <laughs> it fit the theme. Okay, I'm stretching it a little bit, but it did work. For dinner, I did Kahlua pig, which is basically just roasted pork butt, slow roasted pork butt. Um, I did use Hawaiian salt on it. Traditionally, you're supposed to wrap it in banana leaves or tea leaves, not tea as in the tea you drink, but tea as in T-I. Unfortunately, I just did not have time to scour the Asian markets to find either of those things. That's where you find it. Um, generally, didn't have time to get out and look, them, look at them. So I just roasted the pork butt. And let me tell you, I had 22 pounds of pork butt. You're supposed to roast it. It's about an hour a pound, maybe a little bit more. I wrapped it in tinfoil based on a lot I was reading on the, the websites to speed up the process a little bit. Um, I divided it in half. So I had one roughly 10 and something, one that I did Thursday night to Friday. 
um, overnight and then another one that I did all day Friday and it was pretty close to 20 some odd total hours of roasting pork and I'll tell you smelled really good the first couple hours and then we got so sick of the smell of pork um, I wanted to get it all done Friday and then just reheat on Saturday because shredding that stuff makes an unholy mess <laughs> in your kitchen and I did not want to have to deal with that on Saturday when we were trying to clean for guests so I did all the shredding and everything on Friday um, and then just reheated it on Saturday and that worked fine so really all Kahlua pig is, is just kind of salt. I mean, it's not salted. It's not super salty. It's just pork roasted with salt. And I did get Hawaiian salt on the internet, but it doesn't, it didn't really taste any different to me. Um, and then the New York side of that is I had dinosaur barbecue is a, a very, very popular dinosaur uh, sorry, barbecue restaurant here in Rochester. The original one was in Syracuse, um, but we have one here as well. Uh, so, and they are only here. It's not a chain. It's just those two. Um, and it's very, very popular and they do bottle their barbecue sauce and sell it in all the local stores. So I did some of that sauce on the side. Um, I made a tortellini salad, which is, I only made it cause it's my niece's favorite. So every time I have a party that involves her, I make sure I make the tortellini salad. It's cheese tortellini with, um, cherry tomatoes cut in half, some mozzarella balls and uh, fresh basil chopped up, spread through. And then you use some sort of olive oil. I used a flavored olive oil, Tuscan herb. Um, olive oil and a little salt. I don't think I even put any pepper in there, just a little bit of salt because the tortellini, the cheese tortellini already has kind of a salty thing. So I don't put a ton in there. And again, I did the Italians and Western New York theme <laughs> for the tortellini salad to make it pass. Um, I made a bean and corn salsa that was very, very good. And I don't even really like bean and corn salsa. Um, but this is a great recipe. I'll definitely link it. It used a lot of my CSA vegetables. So that was the <laughs> Western New York link there. Um, and then a fruit salad that had some Hawaiian inspired flavors and then a cabbage salad. New York is huge cabbage grower. I don't know if nationally, you know, how much a percentage of cabbage comes from New York, but there are cabbage farms all over the place where I live. And sauerkraut is big here because we also have a big uh, German population. So, um, you know, I grew up eating cabbage anyway. So I did a cabbage salad, but it also had some flavors in there, mostly the bannock. Um, we have, I think I've posted about this before, are called F. Olivers near here. Um, there's two or three of them in our area. And F. Olivers is all the infused oils and vinegars. And you actually go in and you can take tastes of them to decide which one you're going to have, which I know sounds really gross. If you've never tasted oil before, you're like, you do what? You just swig oil. Um, but you actually... My husband won't do it because he just says it'll make him gag. I had to kind of work myself up to the first one, but once you get used to doing it, it actually is not bad. And so what I'll do is I'll taste some oils and then I'll go taste the vinegar so that I can get the oil out of my mouth. But um, I have several flavored oils and vinegars from there. And kind of my thing on the, when I decided what I was going to do for, um, mostly for the side dishes, for the showers, I kind of figured out, okay, which of my oils and vinegars do I want to use and how can I use them? And the their website has a lot of recipes and stuff. So that's where I got the recipe for the um, bean and corn salsa. And I think also for the cabbage salad, I think we're both from that website. And then the fruit salad, I just Googled, I had a coconut balsamic vinegar um, and I Googled and I found one on a blog. And it basically, it's just you mix the coconut balsamic vinegar with a little bit of orange juice and that's your dressing for the fruit salad. Not rocket science, but that was pretty good. Um, 
I did tweet pics of everything, but I'll do my best to get a blog post up, like I said, with links to some of those recipes. Um, we are exhausted, so that's why I decided today was going to be a pajama day, and it worked out well to make it a daisy sewing bee day. Um, so, I, you know, I just I got some groceries a little bit this morning, but even not that much because I'm kind of the only one home this week, so I didn't get that much um, in terms of groceries. My dog, Sam, my golden, is he's so funny. He is so funny. He's like a toddler. So the day after a party, he crashes. He completely crashes. He, you know, he'll, he's been sleeping all day. He'll get up, he'll walk five steps. He'll kind of pick up his toy half-heartedly, start over for me, and then just sort of flop back down on the floor and go back to sleep. It's, it's just, he's cracking me up today because he is so tired from having people over yesterday. Um, so that's that's my week. That's what I've gotten done. Um, I will blog the results of all the... Um, oh, I'm sorry. I kind of skipped ahead. I did not tell you what I've been doing today. After I took my daughter out to breakfast, because she was going back to school today, um, I then spent a couple of hours in the basement working on some dyeing, because that's a nice thing to do when you're tired, because you just sit and you kind of... You're thinking through stuff, but it doesn't take really deep thought, and you don't have to be accurate the way you do with <laughs> with sewing. Um, so I tried a method of resist, which I've been reading about for a while, wanting to try, but I hadn't taken the time to do. You just basically use oatmeal and you, you cook up oatmeal in the microwave and then you spread it on the fabric. Um, and then you have to let it dry. And that's the thing. It can take up to two days to dry. So I've got it down in my basement on a drying rack and, and I just have to kind of wait and see. You can use it a little bit damp but the first time i do it i really want it to be thoroughly dry so i can see that effect and then next time i'll try it a little bit damp um, you have to use a thickened dye paste with it you don't do immersion dye because of course if you immerse it in water all the oatmeal is just going to go away so you do a thickened paste and i do have the stuff to make a thickened paste so i'm actually kind of trying a couple of techniques at once with this i haven't thickened my dye before so i'm looking forward to playing with that um, I also, okay, again, I told you I have not been thrilled with the results of ice dyeing, so what I do, I keep ice dyeing. Um, this time I'm trying an ice parfait, which is where you layer several fabrics and several layers of ice. I have a vase that's like perfect for this, so I repurposed it. It's now down in my dye studio. I have several vases, so it's not going to kill me not to have this one. Um, and what I'm doing is... I actually kept it all in one color family because I, I don't know how this is going to work. Just the logistics of where the dye ends up in relationship to the fabric. Um, so I'm not going to talk about it at length now. Again, I will wait until I see the results and then I might be able to talk a little more educatedly about it. Um, and I will I'll blog about it, but I probably won't blog until I get the results. So I have taken pictures of the steps. And then because I had a little bit of prepared uh, fabric, because you, when you ice dye, you always soak your fabric in soda ash water first. And so I had another piece of fabric that I had soaked, but I couldn't quite fit it in the ice parfait. So, and I had some ice left over that I couldn't fit in the vase. So I just did a more standard kind of ice dyeing with that leftover. Um, although I used a pair of colors that I used the last time I did ice dyeing and got the fabric that everybody loves. So I'm going to see if I just using the same colors if you get the same result, but you probably won't. And that's the, the cool thing about ice dyeing that I do like is it's highly unpredictable because you don't know how those dyes are going to break and how they're going to, what the end result's going to be. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, then I did more Sedona series experimentation. Uh, again, I'm working on getting some colors that are reflective of what I remember from my time in Sedona in Arizona. 
um, in the Red Rock Canyons. Um, this time I think I might be pretty close. I mean, the, the early results look good. And this is just, you know, what I'm seeing from the fabric laying in the dye bath. It looks like I'm getting pretty close, um, if not dead on. It's going to be hard to, to know for sure until that fabric is all the way through the washer and the dryer because it changes just a little bit every step of the way. Um, but I think I might be close. And this is, if you recall, the colors I knew to, or that I decided to try today combining to get the right color was based on a mistake, not a mistake, um, but kind of an accident that happened the last time my ice dyed because I did it outside. And some of the dye powder from one of the dye, um, one of the ice dye baths that I was setting up blew onto one of the other ones. And when I washed out the fabrics at the end, I had this little spot that was not what I had planned for that particular piece of fabric, but that spot, I, the first time I looked at it, I was like, that's the color I want for the Sedona series. So I kind of went back and looked at, okay, which dye was it that probably, you know, blew onto this one to see what it was. And that's then how I, I went from there. So that's where we always say in dyeing, there is no mistake. You might have accidents, but as often as not, that accident shows you something else that you can do more intentionally next time. Um, I am also experimenting with Acru. Uh, again, I, I posted a little bit. I did do one Acru dye once before, and this is Acru was a dye color I actually bought because I wanted to play with neutrals, and Acru is a neutral. If you've never heard the name Acru, um, it's actually sort of, uh, it's like an eggshell color, but a little bit darker than that. It's sort of one of those colors that isn't a color. It's kind of a weird kind of weird pinky beige thing or, you know, but it's very, very light. Um, but because I was surprised by what I got last time I dyed with it, I decided, okay, I really need to dig into this one. So I dive, I've got, I think, eight total acre based <laughs> fabrics and dye baths right now. And so what I did was one is going to be straight acre, just that dye. And then I did two teaspoons of acre with one teaspoon of another color and seven different colors that way. Um, just to see what would happen. You know, that's basically what I'm doing. What will happen if I do this? And what I'm finding is Acru does not hold its own. Um, even though I used twice as much Acru as any of the other colors, the other colors are basically what you see. So what I'm getting now is rather than seeing what happens to Acru, I'm seeing what happens to these other colors when you add Acru. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what happens when those get all washed out. And then the last um, set of dyes I put together this morning are greens. I'm working on how do you get different kinds of greens? What what colors do I combine to get? Or if I combine these two colors, do I get more of a jewel tone or more of an earth tone green? You know, that kind of thing. Um, I think I've got seven of those going. Um, and in most cases, it's two colors combined. In some cases, it's three, just to see what happens when you get, you know, tones and shades, that kind of thing. Um, and then the rest of the time I've spent sewing blocks together for the baby quilt that I've got to get done this month. And I'm hoping to have the top pieced by the end of the week. Um, as I'm piecing, I'm trying to think through what I might do for quilting. The pattern is um, a little bit more formal, a little bit more sophisticated than your regular baby quilt. So that feels like it begs for something a little fancier and traditional in terms of quilting. On the other hand, it is a baby quilt and I want them to feel comfortable using it as a baby quilt. And that means spit up and all sorts of other things happening on that quilt. So I don't want to put a lot of time into the quilting either. So that's going to be a bit of a puzzler when I get to it. Um, so that's been my week. That's what I'm working on now. 
let me talk a little bit about listener comments. Okay, unfortunately, I can't listen to comments right now. My internet just kind of crudded out on me, and it would take me too long to try to save it and come back to it and try to figure out why I'm not getting into it, etc. Um, so I'm just going to finish this episode and then um, do listener comments next time. I'm sorry. Speaking of next time, um, I don't know when that'll actually be, because next weekend, which is when I normally try to do my podcast, I've, I've been a Sunday person recently to uh, use... Um, Francis's terminology. I've been a Sunday girl because that's the time when I've got the most time to record anything. But next weekend, Friday, and then we come back Saturday, we're going up to visit my daughter on campus, see her new dorm room, help her get some stuff, um, you know, the bank of mom and dad, <laughs> and also the physical moving help of mom and dad uh, to move into her dorm room, etc. She's in a single, but it's a apparently two or three times the size of the single she was in last year, which honestly, not hard to do. She she could pretty much stand in the middle of her room last year and touch both walls <laughs> with her hands. It was, and she's not a large person. She's a, she's, I always tease her about her height. Um, she's shorter than I am, but that's, she comes by it honest because I'm the tallest sister. She's my sister's height. Anyway, that's a digression. Um, so we're going up Saturday morning and then we're going to come back Sunday probably will get back sometime mid-afternoon, but, you know, after all that driving and everything, I'm likely to be a little bit tired, so I'm doubting I'm going to get an episode out Sunday. And then I don't really know what my week is ahead after that, so I'm not entirely sure when I'm going to get another episode out, but I will sometime within the next 10 days, I really hope. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Thank you so much for those of you who did play along with my giveaway on Labor Day Sewing. Um, that was a lot of fun. And uh, thank you for your comments. I do read them. I have been getting them. I just can't access them at the moment um, in my email. It's my email that's not coming up, not my blog. Uh, so I will say until next time, um, don't forget, you know how to be in touch with me. Or if you don't, I will tell you right now. You can reach me by emailing me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow my blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, and Goodreads. And you can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us uh, group. What am I trying to say? I'm sorry. I am tired. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. And did I say I'm Sandy Quilts on Twitter, Pinterest, and Goodreads? Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. Because I am. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good. And you can find links for all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. As well as, by the way, pictures of all my recent finishes and works in progress. Because I finally updated those pages on the blog. And I hope you will go visit and I hope you will talk to me. Until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.